repent or die. Not exactly the good news that we may have wanted to come to church and hear today. But there it is, right in the middle of the gospel reading. Unless you repent, you will perish. Well, it is Lent. It's time for us to think about repentance. And repentance, the word in Greek is metanoia, which means the changing of one's mind, the turning back towards God, turning away from all that we are and all that we do that is non-God, and turning to walk with God. But wow, what urgency. Repent or perish. And Jesus says this just after describing in this gospel lesson two situations that bring up the basic question, why do bad things happen to good people? He's trying to pierce a false understanding that was prevalent at the time that obedience to Torah resulted in getting personal worldly blessings from God and that disobedience to Torah brought curses. So Jesus brings up two situations where people died horribly. And he asks in each, were they worse sinners than the others who didn't die? Were they worse offenders? No. But instead of answering the question, why did they die directly, Jesus pivots and says, repent or perish. The implication here is that worrying about why is irrelevant. What is relevant at any given moment is where are our hearts? Where are our hearts in relationship with God? Are we turned towards God or are we turned away from God? Are our actions and our lives oriented to some other thing beside God? What is relevant is getting right with God. And this is something we should not dawdle over. We could, with Jesus' examples, I think the implication is we could go poof at any given moment, just like the Galileans and the others he described. What God wants and what Jesus wants is for us to be living into the wholeness of who God so lovingly created us to be. God wants our hearts and lives to be oriented to, to him at all times, in all places. And Jesus wants our lives to bear fruit. So, yeah, repent. Repent now. And the beautiful thing in the second half of the gospel reading is this message that it's not too late. It's never too late, no matter what we've done. Jesus follows up the dramatic repent or you all will perish declaration with a story of a vineyard owner who's deciding what to do about a fig tree in his vineyard that's not bearing fruit. It's been there three years, and three years is the typical amount of time that one would expect a fig tree, according to people who raise figs, which I don't. The three years is apparently plenty of time for a fig to produce fruit. And this fig tree, perhaps like us, is not doing what it was created to do, it was not absorbing God's sunlight and rain. 
not developing as it should, and the owner wants to chop it down. It is wasting precious soil. But the gardener says, wait, let's give it another chance. Let's dig around it. And that would create more space for water, water to gather. And let's put manure on it, says the gardener. Let's give it another year. Now for agricultural folk, this would seem like an extravagant waste. Give this unfruitful tree more time, waste the manure, give up on getting the harvest that is due to us now. I dare say we are like fig trees. We stray from God. We don't absorb the nutrients, the rain, the sunshine that is always there for us. So this passage is an urgent call for us to go back, to turn back to God, to absorb those nutrients. And here in this fig tree story, it's clear, it's not too late. God in God's compassion gives us second chances. And we in the Christian tradition have second, third, fourth chances. We have lent every single year. God doesn't let us go. And I am particularly struck in this story by the image and the role of the manure. The manure being a central part of God's giving us a second chance. I mean, manure is essentially excrement. I can't believe I'm up here talking about excrement. But I imagine this tree being surrounded and actually nurtured by the excrement of the world, needing the nutrients that are in that manure. Because manure, it turns out, is a remarkable thing. All that is eliminated, so to speak, from creature that created it, All that is in manure is actually an excellent source of plant nutrients. Manure has nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus. It contains organic matter with additional nutrients like calcium, magnesium, and sulfur. And all of those build the soil's fertility and the quality of the soil to feed the plants. So I can't get my mind off of this odd idea, yet profound idea of God using the excrement, the manure of the world, transforming it to feed us. God taking and mingling that nasty stuff with the sacred dust of the earth that we were created from. Mingling that, mixing that, transforming it, and feeding us. And our job? Absorb the nutrients. Absorb the sunlight and rain and all the soil, the sacred soil that God has made. Absorb it all. Feed on it all so we can grow. This is an odd image, but I think a powerful one that applies not only to us as people, but also as individuals, but also us as a whole as a community, a city, a nation, even the world. We are all part of God's vineyard, each one of us, needing to repent from the ways that we have repelled the nutrients, repelled 
the sunlight, repelled the water. But we are also a community in this vineyard, a community that needs the transformation to bear fruit. When we look at the aftermath of the horrific massacre of our Muslim siblings in New Zealand and the decision this week to fast-track a ban on assault weapons, I see a vineyard, a New Zealand vineyard, a nation that has powerfully moved into repentance. They've moved from their grief, from their, their lament and their pain into action. Our fruit is action. Our fruit, our sacred fruit, is action in God's name. So New Zealand, has, their hearts have moved so powerfully to preserve the sacred dignity of every human being. This is the fruit God wants us to bear. Sacred action for the betterment of all creation, of all God's beloved children. Within hours of the announcement, gun owners around the nation started turning in their weapons. That's just six days after the massacre. Talk about individual repentance, the individual gun owners, and also national repentance. And what beautiful fruit born of the worst of the worst of human behavior. Now, last Sunday, Reverend Nate preached on the attack and God's call to the sacred and necessary movements from lament to hope into action. And in New Zealand, we see, see this lament and hope and the repentance part of moving from hope into action. Repentance, the predecessor of sacred action. Repentance, turning to the evil that we've done, the things we've left undone, those things that are not of God. Repentance, moving into action. The goal of our spiritual journey with Christ is not simply our own spiritual health and well-being. It's bigger than that. The goal of our spiritual journey is bearing fruit. And that's not just selfish fruit. That's fruit for all, fruit that will feed God's world. And there's not time to waste. That's the message in the gospel today. There's no time to waste. Let's get on it. We need to absorb everything God gives us to grow. So let's take advantage of God's love and patience and grace. And let us have the courage to repent as individuals to unite with others and repent as a community, as a nation, as a globe. As one theologian recently commented, the world cannot afford our barrenness any longer. It's time for us to bear fruit. So yes, may we re repent before we die. Amen. <laughs>